deeper you go, the weirder it gets. I'm your host, Get Ready. So this episode is about my experience dealing with witchcraft. Witchcraft, for those of you that don't know, is the use of magic or supernatural powers with the intent to harm or control people or events. And this episode is essentially the final chapter, I think, of the La Ultima Ceremonia series. So before we start, before we start the episode, I want I encourage you all to reach out with any questions you may have about my journey or anything I have discussed. And if you would like to support the show, one of the easiest ways is to get some podcast gear. I now have stickers, hats, mugs, and some new t-shirt and hoodie designs. The link for the gear is in the show notes. I also have fermented herbal tonics and pine pollen tinctures available. Please email for more details. It's a great way to support the show and to support my year-long diet. I now also have a YouTube page with the same name. The deeper you go, the weirder it gets. It's a work in progress, but please go check it out and subscribe. Lastly, at the very least, if you enjoy this podcast, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a review, specifically if you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app. It is a simple gesture that really helps me out. My email and Instagram are also located in the show notes. Okay, so let's get into it. So for those of you that have been following my story rather closely, you may be aware that I have subtly alluded to the fact that things ended on a weird or sour note with Pops, which is also one of the reasons I am now training with Ricardo at Niwe Rao. Now, before I get into what happened, I want to say that I'm extremely grateful for Pops and his family. I learned a lot. In fact, the three weeks I spent with them in the jungle propelled me forward in a way that no other experience could have. I feel like I got six months of training done in just three weeks. The small ceremonies and the intimate connection with the family allowed me to really connect with the culture, the medicine, and be an active participant in ceremonies which resulted in rapid growth, particularly with my singing and development of my songs. In the Shipibo tradition... During the ceremony, you sing what is called bewas, which are medicine songs. These medicine songs are much different than the more popularly known medicine songs called ikaros. Ikaros are what most people think of when they think of traditional jungle-style ayahuasca ceremonies, but there's a big difference between the two. An ikaro is more of a traditional song, with a typical song structure such as chorus, verse, chorus. And ikaros are usually passed down from teacher to student. Over the course, So over the course of a training cycle, a student will be taught several different Ikaros. Each Ikaro has a different purpose, and song choice during ceremony is based on the situation. Bewas, on the other hand, are more of a freestyle type of song, which allows you to address energies in real time. Bewas don't follow typical song structure at all. Instead, they follow a loose structure of rhythm, cadence, and frequency. A teacher doesn't give his student songs, but instead teaches the student how to address certain issues and deal with certain energies. The student is then left to their own devices with help from their plant allies to create and develop their own songs. While the Karos are beautiful and powerful, the Bewas are where it's at. The free-flow nature of the songs, while much harder to learn, really allows your own personality or medicine to shine forth. Not to mention dealing with and managing energies during a ceremony is a dynamic sport with situations changing rather quickly in real time. So it is much better to be able to jump from one thing to the next freely instead of being locked into a rigid song structure. 
Not to mention the freestyle nature is also more fun. Repeating the exact song or Ricardo over and over, ceremony after ceremony, could definitely become boring and monotonous, just like a band that no longer that no longer likes playing their popular songs. See, Bewa's are sung in Shipibo, which many people consider to be the language of ayahuasca. Singing in Shipibo is much different than speaking Shipibo. This is because the Shipibo ayahuasqueros have altered their language specifically for an ayahuasca ceremony. They essentially created a street slang version of their language for ceremonies where they have removed all the fluff and truncated the language down to the bare necessities. Which easily, allow, which easily allows you to jump from one thing to the next while maintaining a specific rhythm and cadence. It's quite fascinating and really beautiful. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity Pops gave me to practice my Baywaz during the ceremony. Like I mentioned, Baywaz are extremely hard to learn, so to be given the space and encouragement to practice during multiple ceremonies was not only priceless, but accelerated my growth at a rapid rate. But for all the good with Pops, there were some things that weren't all that great. Basically, the environment and the general overall attitude was a little too lax. In other words, the greatest strength of working with Pops was also the greatest weakness. I had a lot of freedom, but at the same time, I had a lot of freedom, which meant there was little to no structure. See, one of the reasons... One of the reasons I was able to sing a lot in ceremony was because they really didn't care all that much. Pops is old and tired and often spent most of the ceremony asleep. And even when he was at his best, he had maybe an hour and a half worth of energy before he was done. Like I said, it was all good and and what I needed at that point in my journey. But as I progressed, I felt like I needed a little more structure in my training. And that's how this story begins. So... Quick review, I went down to Puerto Maldonado, Peru to see Pops in May of 2022, and I opened up a three-month diet with Morosa. I spent three weeks with Pops, and then I came back home. The plan was to keep my diet open for three months, and then Pops would close it remotely. So in July of 2022, about two months into my diet, I was doing another ceremony back home. Right before that ceremony, I had a talk with the guy leading the ceremony, Let's call him Jack. So I was talking to Jack about my diet and how things were going. I had expressed that while I was grateful for Pops, I was having doubts if he was the right person to continue my training with. After some discussion, it was suggested that I go to Niwe Rao and train with Ricardo, Jack's teacher. Now, I went to Niwe Rao in 2017. The reason I didn't start there in the first place was because in some ways Niwe Rao and Ricardo have become a victim of their own success. Niwe Rao is an extremely popular center and there are a lot of long-term dieters training under Ricardo. While I knew he was good, I was looking for a more intimate training opportunity and that's what originally pushed me to train with Pops. Anyway, after our discussion, I decided that training with Ricardo would in fact be the best course of action. Now this is where it starts to get weird. So that night, I went into ceremony and I proceeded to get really sick. And at one point I was throwing and at one point as I was throwing up, I saw the faces of Pops and his son Sergio. I could tell they were mad and I started getting this feeling that they were going to take my morosa diet away from me. Then for the rest of the night, I was sick and uncomfortable, and I felt this dark energy all over me. 
This energy was testing, teasing, and intimidating me. It was relentless, and I ended up purging several more times. The next morning, I was hesitant to bring this up to Jack because I didn't because I wanted to be sure my experience was real and not some figment of my imagination. I also didn't want to sound like every other long-term dieter and falsely claim I was being psychically attacked. I have mentioned this before. This stuff is real. People do get psychically attacked all the time. There are numerous accounts and even many books written on the subject. But sometimes it feels like some people in the medicine, in the plant medicine world claim to be victim, claim to be a victim of an attack when they really haven't been. And they usually do this for one of two reasons. So reason one, it makes them seem cool or important. See, the idea is that you have to be someone of status or deep in the game for someone to attack you. Random attacks are rare. Someone needs a reason to attack you. So in a weird way, people view being attacked as a sign that they have arrived or that they have something worth taking. So they tend to embellish their personal hardships as an attack. It's like the idea of having haters. Having haters means that you have something going on that people are jealous of. Hence, they throw shade your way. But the truth is, not everyone who claims to have haters actually has haters, and not everyone who claims to be a victim of an energetic attack has actually been attacked. So the second reason people falsely claim to be attacked is it's a way to distract themselves from their own shit. See, this is the number one reason people falsely claim to be attacked. More often than not, when something hard comes up in ceremony or in everyday life, nine times out of ten, it is a result of their own baggage, of their own inadequacies, of their own poor decisions. Instead of facing their shadow and doing the dirty work of self-improvement, it is easier to play it off as, as just another attack. And once you convince yourself that you ha- you've been attacked, you no longer need to face the reality of your own dark side. And I saw this pattern play out in my gym all the time. The best excuse people would use, or at least what they thought was the best excuse for not taking care of their health and fitness was to place the blame not on themselves, but on someone or some event that was completely out of their control. It seems perfect, right? It's like I was going to do this, but someone or something prevented me. For example, Remember the scary virus from a couple years ago? It amazed me how many people used and still use the gyms being closed during that time as an, ex- as an excuse for not working out. Sure, it was really inconvenient. However, the lockdowns, were, the lockdowns never stopped the true warriors. They found a way. They will always find a way. Likewise, a true warrior doesn't care if the bad ceremony experience is a result of their own shit or someone else's. Either way, they're going to use that situation as an opportunity for growth. Anyway, because of that, I wanted to make sure my attack was genuine and that I too was not falling prey to a fake attack. So after analyzing what happened to me for the for most of the morning, I could not deny what I'd felt and saw, so I decided to bring it up to Jack. Jack then told me that he had felt the same energy and confirmed my suspicions. He said that he was hesitant to tell me because he didn't want me to worry. So after talking with Jack for a while, he told me that he would start cleaning their energy off me that night. So during that night's ceremony, 
more of the same happened to me. I felt extremely sick, felt a dark energy associated with Pops and Sergio, and I purged a lot. And Jack started feeling sick as well and even purged more than normal. Talking to Jack the next day, he told me as he was working on me, cleaning off their energy, their energy started attacking him. Jack then told me it would probably take several more ceremonies to remove their energy and it might even get worse before it gets better. During the third ceremony, it was again more of the same. At this point, I was starting to get a little worried that Pops had taken my Morosa diet away and severed the connection to the plant. So I checked in with Morosa to see if she was still there and to see how she was doing. I got confirmation from Morosa that while things weren't great, the connection was still alive. So quick side note... On episode 48, a year-long Sama ceremony number four recap, I talked about having Miguel fix my Morosa diet, and as he was singing to me, I saw an augmented reality version of a Morosa plant coming out of the ground, spiraling up until it reached full height and opened up. It looked strong and healthy. And that experience gave me so much joy as it confirmed that despite all this bullshit I went through, my connection with Morosa is now alive and well. Anyway, following up with Jack the next morning, he had told me that he got some insight into what was going on. And this is where it gets even weirder and actually quite fascinating. See, what had happened is that Pops had put a spell on me during my last ceremony, basically claiming ownership of me. Jack explained that this was not necessarily done with bad intentions, but more so part of the Shipibo culture. The spell basically worked much like a computer virus or a computer code that operates using an if-then statement. An if-then statement in the computer programming world tells a program to execute a certain section of code only if a particular test evaluates to true. So in other words, the spell was programmed to execute if I had thoughts of leaving POPs. So if I were to leave POPs, then the spell would be activated. So that first night when I made the declaration to train with Ricardo instead of POPs, the spell was activated. Then when Jack was cleaning POPs' energy off of me, that activated another part of the spell and it started attacking him. Now I'm not going to lie. That is actually kind of cool and impressive that a spell has this type of intelligence. But at the same time, it was a little nerve-wracking knowing that a spell that a spell that intelligent and powerful had not only been put on me but also activated. I also began to wonder how many more layers the spell contained. So, as the weekend was wrapping up, I could feel that the spell had still not been broken. However, the plan was to go back to life as normal, to not be paranoid or worried, but at the same time be extra cautious as these types of spells can affect you in the physical world as well. As above, so below. So for the next few weeks, my life was fairly normal. I did, however, develop some blisters on my upper back and shoulder, which turned into rather painful sores, which lasted about three weeks. There seems to be no explanation for the blisters, just one day they appeared. It's strange because I've never had skin issues and I've never experienced anything like that. So in August of 2022, about a month after my last ceremony with Jack and about two weeks before Pops was supposed to close my diet, I was back for another three-night ceremony. The first two nights were more of the same, although it felt like progress was actually being made as the intensity was becoming less and less. 
Then during the third ceremony, I was talking with Jack and he mentioned again that Pops and Sergio were trying to wrap me up into the world just like they did to a mutual friend of ours who was the person that recommended Pops to me. As soon as Jack said that, I had an extremely vivid vision of of our friend sitting on the ground covered head to toe in heavy, sticky slime. He was sitting there unable to move. He was trapped. I then looked at myself and I saw the same slime on me, although much less compared to my friend. The message I got was, you can still get out, but it's too late for your friend. It's a quick update about this friend. He is now given the majority of his resources and is in the process of moving to Peru to help Pops and family start an ayahuasca center. And I'm sure it's all just a coincidence. So anyway, after seeing the image and hearing the message, I then became extremely sick and went outside to puke. As soon as I got outside, I started violently purging. And what was crazy was that I was purging slime. Now I have purged many times and never once was it sticky and thick. However, once it came out, I had the vision, I had a vision of the spell being broken. I immediately felt better, lighter, and cleaner. As I went back inside to my mat, I was in com- I was in complete awe about everything that had just transpired over the last few months. And the truth is, I'm grateful for the entire experience. I'm grateful for Pops being open to me practicing my baywas and ceremony, and I'm even grateful for the spell. Believe it or not, I hold no hard feelings towards Pops. Unfortunately, these types of things are common in the jungle. Now, that doesn't make it right or excuse the behavior, but I understand that it has more to do with the culture than it does ill will. However, this is another good reminder that culture is not always your friend. Just because something is culturally accepted doesn't make it right or moral. So while I can and do forgive, I can never forget. I won't ever sit in a ceremony with Pops or his family members again. But that doesn't mean I can't be grateful for the experience because the truth is I learned a lot from the spell and I became stronger and more connected to my plant as a result. Which makes me think of the Bruce Lee quote, don't pray for an easy life, pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. This is because we all know that growth comes from struggle and overcoming resistance. Life will knock you down, but as long as you get up, learn, and adapt, you will become better. And because of this experience, I am more equipped to deal with these types of things in the future, which is, a good, which is good because the one thing I know for sure is this won't be the last time I deal with negative energies. The world, be it the world of plant medicine or just your everyday interactions, is not, nor will it ever be, just love and light. We live in a dualistic world that spans the entire spectrum of light and dark, of good and evil. We experience dark forces all the time. In fact, within each of us, there is a battle between these forces, and the dominant force depends on which one we feed. It depends on our choices, our morals, our actions, and our habits. As Carl Jung famously said, One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. So if we want our light to shine forth, to be a warrior for the light, we must be willing to confront not only our own darkness, but all darkness. And to do that, we must put in the work to make ourselves stronger, more resilient, smarter, more aware, and purveyors of truth. And well, Pops did exactly that. He made me stronger, more resilient, more aware, and pushed me further into the light. Thank you, Pops. See you on the other side.